Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the RiderFlex podcast. Along with our daily tips on career advice, our show features entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, and influencers from all types of industries, sharing their stories, providing advice based on their experiences, and chatting about their companies. If you're interested in being a guest on our show, you can email us at podcast at riderflex.com. And if you like today's episode, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and give us a quick thumbs up. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. So Nick, thank you so much for being on the RiderFlex podcast. Uh, we were we were talking a little bit here before we started recording. We know a lot of the same people. A lot of the a lot of the folks from Titan One Hundred have been on the show, and uh, uh, other folks you know. So I'm happy to have you on. Thank you, sir. Yep. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it, Steve. Good to meet you. Before we get into Edison Interactive, um, I want to know about Nick. Nick. Nick the person. Nick the Talk to me, family, mom, dad, siblings. Give me, give me some stuff. Go for it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was born in, in Aurora, Colorado. Um, you know, I was a sports guy through and through, you know, I always, I always right. say that my first love was lacrosse. Right. And um, <clears throat> I ended up playing at Cardo state university, um, which oh. were just incredible years in my life. Right. Cool. Cool. Uh, you know, when I look back at all my, my years playing lacrosse, you know, they, they really instilled a lot of great values, you know, uh, being able to set clearly defined goals, uh, working with an entire team of people who are collectively relentless about going after those goals, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, a lot of those years really shaped who I am. You know, I, I owe a lot to, to who I am for my, my lacrosse years, but I had, a, I had an interesting upbringing. You know, my mother and my stepfather moved to uh, China when I was a freshman in high school. What? Um, so, yeah, Beijing. <laughs> uh, you went with them? No, I stayed here. I stayed oh, here. So, all right, all right. you know, although I, I was living in Aurora, I was playing lacrosse, I was going to school, I started spending a lot of time in, in Beijing. And, you know, the culture just fascinated me. So when I got to CSU, um, I, I studied Chinese all four years when I was at CSU, um, oh, as well wow. as business. Um, and then I, I, I lived out there for a few years after college and just to, you know, immerse myself in the culture and the language. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just an incredibly challenging place for me to live. I mean, talk about like next level culture shock, right? right. For sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I came back to the States. Um, you know, I took a couple early sales roles. You know, I excelled at them, but I just I always had that entrepreneurial itch, you know. Um, uh, and I wanted to live in warm weather, right? I mean, like the, the winters in Beijing are pretty brutal. Are um, so, okay. Oh yeah, they're pretty bad. So, you know, when I was 25, I packed up, uh, moved all my stuff to Scottsdale, Arizona, um, started my first company, all digital circulation. And it was uh, one of the best decisions I ever made. I met my, my beautiful wife, Noelle out there and, um, really kind of put me on the track that I'm on today. Let me back up just a little bit. When you were a freshman in high school, you stayed here, but your parents or your mom and your stepdad, but who'd you live with? So I was a lot on my own, to be honest with you. You know, I had my own car. I had my own apartment. Um, what? You know, as, 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 as like a freshman and sophomore in high school, you had your own apartment? I was 14. 
Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the guys that I played the cross with in college called me manchild because when I got to CSU, I was 16 when I started at CSU. Um, and I'd already been on my own for a while, right? I mean, like I got support from my family and stuff, right? But like, um, you know, I was I was heavily, heavily on my own for for a lot of those years. But um, you know, the, the story, I always tell a funny story. My first week at CSU. I was uh, driving my car and I was 16, but I had gotten a ticket when I was 14 and a ticket when I was 15, um, as if somebody was like driving in the car with me. So I got a speeding ticket and lost my license at 16. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was challenging. Like it was, you know, I had, a, I had an interesting upbringing, like I said, but, you know, I think that, you know, those, those challenges and those, um, you know, barriers really, you know, really, really set me up for success in the future, in my opinion. Did you lose your license for a year? Was that a year penalty? What was a that? Year deal. It was a year, but I was at CSU, right? So like, you don't really need a car, you know, right around with your buddies. Did you so, graduate? So you graduated high school early? I did. I did. I graduated high school when I was 16. So straight A type student, uh, you were one of those guys, huh? Yeah, I was a good student. I was, uh, I really enjoyed, you know, school and lacrosse and, you know, really kind of latched onto those and, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you had your own apartment at 16. So the, so the parties were at your house, obviously. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> there, there, there was no shortage of those, Steve. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if I had a, if I had a friend at 16 that had his own apartment with his parents, not there, I mean, I'd, we'd be over there all the time. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Okay. Any siblings? Um, I, I, ha I was the youngest of three boys. You know, unfortunately, both my brothers have passed. Um, so my middle brother passed in 06, and then my older brother passed in uh, 2014. So. And you said you're, you're married? You got kids? No, we're working on it. We're trying. But, Ooh, uh, but no, I have, an, I have an amazing wife. Okay. All right. How old are you? How old are you? I'm 38. All right. How old's your wife? She'll love you. Uh, she'll yeah, 32. 32. She'll love, she'll, she'll love the fact that I asked that question. She'll be like, what the hell? She oh, yeah. asked, he asked how old I was. Uh, okay, she's 32. You guys are trying to have kids. All right. Very good. Yeah. How long you, you said you married, met her in Scottsdale. How long have you been married? Um, we've, uh, we're going on five years. This December will be five years married. Um, okay. And we're going on nine years together. So from, okay. Eight, uh, eight, eight, right. eight, eight, no, about eight years together. So from 16 to 28, you were a single dude living on his own. Man, you got a bunch of stories in there. We're gonna have to have, we're gonna have to have like a separate different show podcast, that. buddy. That 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 is one over a brew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm envisioning some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to talk about some of those stories. Okay, all right. Yeah. So you did. now, you said you went to Scottsdale and started a business. I mean, like how? With what funds? Walk me through. Walk me through. Like, is that like a service business? And you just slapped up a website or walk me through oh, starting was that. No, I mean, I had been working. I had I had some money that I put together okay. from uh, right. from like I was doing really well in sales and mortgages before the crash and all that stuff. So it was bootstrapped. It was okay. bootstrapped. Right. So the premise behind all digital circulation was, you know, at the time, the major daily newspapers and magazine publishers, you know, they were charging people for print subscriptions and then giving digital away for free. Right. Awesome. And so. The premise behind it for me was that I thought that that was kind of backwards, right? That everything was kind of going digitally. Um, so we started the company. The first thing that I did is I went and secured reseller contracts with all of the major daily newspapers and magazine publishers in the U.S. Um, and uh, we created a connected tablet program where 
you got a, a connected tab, like if you bought a 12 month subscription to the Chicago Tribune, you'd get a device that was branded for the Chicago Tribune, right? With the Chicago Tribune newspaper application on it and an app marketplace for, for advertisers um, that went out to the people. And, and we, did, we did fairly well with that company. You know, I built it to about 55 people over the first couple of years. Um, you know, I was a first time entrepreneur, didn't have a lot of great mentors at the time around it. Um, and, and then one day people just stopped paying for news, you know, with the acceleration of the internet and freely trading news and all of that. So, um, so yeah, so I ended up shutting that business down. And okay, let, me, uh, let me, let me stop you right there. You said we earlier, did you have a co-founder? No, I didn't. I was CEO and founder. I was the only one, but I, I had built a, a team of I had a couple of guys that have been working with me in sales out there that came out and started helping me with it. And okay. it was a complete bootstrapped operation. Was your wife, uh, was, was, she a, was she a customer? Was she a client? Did you meet her at the, at the, at the bar? What, what happened? How'd you meet oh, I her? Met her I, I met her through a friend of mine. I met her through a friend of mine and we hit it off immediately. And yeah. Were you like, were you, were you like, oh shit, yeah, this okay. Immediate, like it was immediate. <laughs> You're like, yeah, okay. Uh, you were yeah, interested was, right away. Yeah, I was interested right away. <laughs> okay, did you make the first move or she did? Um, I did. You did. Okay. I did. Did she, did she say no? Or did I always, I always joke around that I caught her lurking in the bushes next to the windows, you know, stalking <laughs> me. But that, between you and I, that's not what happened. <laughs> uh, what was she? What was she doing at the time? Um, she was in the direct sales business, so she was working. You know, she she had done pretty well for herself out there. You know, she was younger at the time, but um, she was in the direct sales business. You know, mm -hmm. actually, when we when I shut down all digital circulation. Um, you know, I, I was trying to figure out what my next move was. And, uh, you know, I'd been traveling a lot, right? I'd been in New York and LA and Miami and Vegas and, you know, all over the place. And just thinking about, you know, the experiences that you see in connected devices, think like in the backseat of a taxi or a hotel room, right? Or, you know, any type of connected device experience, in my opinion, all of them were unimpressive at best, right? They never thought about the end user, the customers. Yeah. They never really thought about the operators who were running them. It was a means to an end. You know, you're in the backseat of a taxi in New York. The means to an end is it's a credit card processing machine, but there's no engagement. There's no experience there, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, and I had all these tablets that I had sourced um, that were sitting in storage units. So I see. We, packed, I see. We, we packed up all the tablets and all of our stuff and we moved back to Denver. This was in 2015. Um, and I started a company called Sticky Media. Okay, now let me Sticky stop. Let me let me let me stop you right there. So, were you married when you moved back to Denver? No, we got married after. But she moved with you. Said, "Hey, I'm going back to Denver. You coming?" Yeah, she moved <laughs> with me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we we moved back here in 2015. We got married in 2017. Did she have to quit her job to follow you back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she helped me start Sticky Media. Okay, so I want that's that's what I'm, what I'm getting at there. So you so together yeah. you guys are like okay. All digital. I'm going to shut this down. I know we're not married yet, we, but we're living together. I love you. You love me. Let's move back to Denver and you can help me start a new company. And you can Oh, yeah. Me. And she was old school Italian family, all the kids living in the same house together. I mean, I plucked her, right? Like, I mean, she came with me. Now, uh, her parents had sold their house of 30 years in Scottsdale. They live right next to us in Cherry Creek. Her brother's a paramedic down here at Denver General. Uh, I'm just working you on got, her system you, now. You got the whole family, but at the time- I got one left. <laughs> but when you went to her mom and dad at first, and you're like, yeah, um, we're not married yet. And uh, I know you guys are old school, Italian, probably Catholic, whatever. 
uh, I'm going to take your daughter and she's going to come to Denver with me and quit her job. And her, her dad was like, what? <laughs> yeah, they were supportive. They're great people, man. You know, like they were supportive and you know, it was, uh, I'm just very happy. They're all here now, to be honest. That's, with you. that's so cool. All right. That's so, the all right, best so in the world. Very cool. So you quit, she quit your, you guys. All right. So you got a little money in savings. You got some cash, obviously. So you yeah, we, we raised a little capital out here from, uh, from uh -huh. a fund, which actually was, uh, actually ended up being the first investment group in Edison. Uh, Sticky Media actually became medicine, right? So, um, you know, we started, uh, we had all this, we raised a little bit of capital. Um, and how'd, I went you, to how'd you raise the capital? How Did you know somebody? Did you have experience raising cash? Pound in the pavement, buddy. All right, pound in the pavement. Smile okay, so this is, this, this is important for the listeners because a lot of a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs listen to our podcast. So I want you to give them some, give them some details here. Did you, you came into town, you're like, okay. I know some millionaires already. I know some groups. I joined some groups. How'd you do it? Give me some details. I talked to a lot of different people, right? I mean, I, I started with my network. I got introductions. You know, I started this company. I had this vision for it um, and just went and pounded the pavement, right? And when I say, when I say I raised early capital, I mean, it was a couple hundred grand, right? Like it wasn't a lot. It was just wow. enough to executing on, on the strategy that I had. Um, but it's, it's an interesting story, right? So we raised the capital, we had these tablets, we brought in an engineer that we went to all the, the taxi companies in, in Colorado, right? So Metro, Yellow, Union, and we got contracts with them. And I was just like, look, we're going to put tablets in your cars. We're going to sell media, media and advertising and, and create an experience in there. And we're going to do a rev share, right? It'll be revenue generating for you. All right. And sign them all up. And then we had to figure out how to install them and wire them through the seats and into the floorboard and in the ignition switches. And I, I actually licensed the technology, the software to run those devices from a company called Taxi Interactive. Okay. And they were a Hong Kong based company. Uh, and they were one of the first ones to put screens in taxi cabs in Sydney, Australia in 2006. So created a great relationship with them. And so we, we decked out all the taxi cabs in Colorado. Then I wanted to expand, the, the vision was to have a network between sports bars, medical facilities, taxis, transportation in the Denver area and create a network for advertisers and media uh, in those areas. Okay. So once we got all the taxis enrolled, I had a good buddy of mine who was a Coors beers, beer rep, a Colorado native, old friend of mine from high school. And I called him and I was like, hey, can I jump in your car with you and go to your, on your routes for a few weeks, right? And so he's like, yeah, I was like, every one I sign up, I'll give you a commission, right? So I literally would go to his house in the morning, jump in his truck, and we'd go hit all the bars. He'd do his thing. He'd say, hey, this is my buddy, Nick. You know, he wants to talk about putting screens in the bars. And they'd hand them over to me. And it was the same model, right? We were funding, putting the screens in there, and we were building an ad business. And um, so we built a, a really nice network and a really nice business that was growing. And then my co-founder is a guy named Jeremy Ostermiller. Um, and Jeremy had founded a company in 09 called Altitude Digital. Was he um, the investor for the 200 grand? Mm -mm, no. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Nope. Um, so he was the founder of a company called Altitude Digital. And we grew up together. And they, right. they built a really nice business over there. You know, they're, in their heyday, they were the fourth largest video advertiser in the world for online websites. Okay. Um, and so I built it up and I had always tried to find a way to work with Jeremy. And so I called him one day and I was like, Hey, let's go grab lunch. And so we go grab lunch. I'm walking him through my business. The, the, the point was I wanted to part with partner with him to help bring those advertisers into our devices. Right. <laughs> 
And Jeremy's like, look, man, he's like, I don't know if you heard, but we're merging with a company out of New York called, uh, uh, and, and I just stepped down as CEO two days ago. He's like, I love what you're doing. He's like, if we can own this technology, let's go do it together. Okay. And um, so, you know, went back to my investors that had, had everything there. And I said, look, let's roll this into Edison. Uh, we started, it wasn't Edison at the time, but let's roll it in. Let's recapitalize the business. So we, we, we rolled it into Edison. We raised another seed round, just under a million dollars. And we acquired Taxi Interactive, which was the company that we were licensing the software for the devices. Okay. Um, and that was the beginning of the, the Edison Interactive platform and company. And that was in November of 2016. So Edison was you and the, your, your friend that you talked about. Um, and, and, and the other people on the cap table were the original investors of the 200K for Sticky Media. Correct. Gotcha. And then you raised an additional, what'd you say, a million bucks? We raised an additional million bucks in our seed round. Um, and then, you know, since then we've raised about 14 million. There, that seed round, that million bucks, was that a PE firm? Was that Angel? What was that? It was, it was, uh, it was a group here called GKG. It was local investors. They, you know, the, 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 the round that went anywhere from 25 grand to our largest investor in that round was 250K. Are those people out when you got the 14 million or are they still in? Oh no, they're still in. They're still gotcha. in. You know, we, gotcha. we, did, we did that on a convertible note. Um, and then six months later is when we got brought into one of our largest products, which is Shark Experience presented by Verizon. Mm. And Shark Experience presented by Verizon is a partnership between Verizon, uh, Club Car, who's the largest manufacturer of golf cars, Greg Norman, um, a professional golfer, who's one of our largest investors, Ah. Uh, and, and Edison. Can you, right? can you get him to send me some free shirts now that you've been on the podcast? I, mean, <laughs> I like the, I like those shirts. Yeah, I'll work on it, bud. Um, <laughs> but uh, so anyway, they, it was, that was about four or five months after we closed our seed round, like things moved very quickly here. Um, and so we, we, we raised the money from Greg and his business partner, David Chesler. Um, and uh, we um, started deploying the screens in the golf cars. Now we've got about 40,000 screens in golf cars in the U S with, Bluetooth speakers and dynamic yardage and content and media. Um, and that was really the precipice of what spurred us into being a content management system for connected devices in all types of industries. Mm. What, what percentage of penetration do you have in golf carts? Like, are you still got a long way to go? Before you still got oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've got, a, we're working on about 400 golf courses right now. Okay. Um, uh, about 40,000 were growing rapidly. Um, you know, the product really came to fruition about two and a half, three years ago. Okay. Um, so, okay. Club, so Club Cars, the sales force and, and our, our partner that installs the screens at their facilities on the golf cars in Augusta, Georgia. And uh, it's just a great product. It's a great partnership. And, you know, we've had a lot of success with it and it continues to grow. Is your co-founder the CEO and you're the CRO? Is that the relationship? Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. And now, now you guys have raised enough cash now to where I'm, I'm assuming that technically you've given up, quote, control of the cap table, so to speak, probably, because you've, you've raised 14 million, or is that true? Or can you share that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we were right there, right? But, um, you know, in my opinion, it's all about the people, you know, like, I mean, Jeremy and I have been very, very, very fortunate. I mean, we have phenomenal investors who who also happened, I mean, that, you know, our, our two largest investors, Greg and David, are the founders of Shark Experience. So not only are they our investors, right, but but we, we are also the product and the, you know, the advertising sales arm and the monetization behind Shark. So, you know, it's as as they grow, we grow with it. And, and they've been just phenomenal investors across the board that 
have continued to open up doors. And um, I mean, we could not be happier with, with the investors that we have inside of Edison. It's been, it's been a, been a great experience. Can you tell Greg, the reason I like his shirts is because if you're 50 and you got just, you got a little, you got a little belly going on, like a little slight belly, they, they, his shirts do a good job of hiding that. You know, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right, right now is probably a good time. Why don't you give the listeners kind of the, the elevator pitch for Edison Interactive as it is today? Go for it. Yeah. So Edison Interactive is a content management system for connected device, device networks and golf cars, rental cars, hospitality, healthcare. So, you know, our focus as a company is on digital transformation through connected device technology. So if, if you look at the, at the industries where we've made investments and we have large scale, you know, device networks in play, it's been highly um, industries that have not really seen that digital transformation, right? That have not adapted from a technology perspective to give consumers the type of experience that they're used to with this, right? With the okay. mobile phone. Okay. And so from golf, right? I mean, we're, we have media, we're doing live content and media on golf cars and really, really disrupting that industry with shark experience. And then, you know, we moved, we moved into rental cars. We have uh, Avis Budget Group is a phenomenal partner of ours. And, you know, we have ancillary revenue products at all of their airport and local market locations. And then it's grown into tracking the connected devices inside the vehicles for telematics and, you know, bring your own device content experiences. And now our, our primary focus as a company right now is we are embarking on large scale deployments in the hospitality industry for in-room entertainment. Okay. Um, and it's just a perfect example of what our precipice was, right? Is that when we got involved in this hospitality industry, those televisions were making a lot of money for a lot of people, but they weren't making money for the hotel operators. It was a cost mm. center, right? Mm. And on top of that, from a consumer perspective, it was channel up, channel down, right? You, you buy your movies, you watch your TV, that's it. We look at that as a captive an audience and a captive experience to be able to drive feature sets, drive value to those end consumers while driving revenue and driving value to the hotel operators. Right? I see, I see. And so we just, we take a different approach and we look at these screen networks in a completely different way. And so now we're embarking on the future, right? We're in the process of moving our whole platform to mobile edge computing, right? We're getting ready for 5G. Um, you know, we're, we're coming up like, for instance, some examples in golf, right? When we, when we're in, in mobile edge computing, it's digital caddies, real time wind speeds, right? How do you help really enrich and enhance that golfer's experience, um, mm. from the edge of the network? Mm. Okay. And how many, and your technology, is it super secret patented special sauce? Nobody else can get it. Or you were, where are we at with that? And how, and how, and what does that look like when you think about the competition? So when I think about the competition of, of who, because we have competitors in golf, we have competitors in rental car, we have competitors in hospitality, right? All right, all right. A lot of times these companies have been incumbents for years and years and years, right? So they're built on, you know, hard servers that are in the basements of these hospitality um, properties, right? Like, so, so when we see that these industries haven't really evolved from a technology perspective, we look at that as opportunity. We're a cloud-based solution on mobile edge computing on the edge of the database with content partnerships and, and all of the, the, the advertising agencies and brands that can come with us to turn those cost centers into profit centers and enrich those experiences. 
do you hope to sell this thing? Are you, do you have a, do you have a whiteboarded plan when you get to this number, we're going to pitch it and et cetera, or right now you're just having fun building it? Well, number one, it's, you know, I'm living my professional dream every day, man. I mean, you know, it's, we're, 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 this is a fun company to run. We have a tremendous group of highly talented, brilliant, fun people. Um, you know, we, we are having discussions internally with investors and, you know, we have some goals and some markers. Um, but, uh, but no, right now we're just, we're, we're focused on our mission right now, man. And we're having a blast doing it. Well, okay. That, that, that's great. All right. So I think what I heard you say is, Hey, look, if the check's big enough, we're, we're always for sale. It depends on, Everything depends on the size of the check. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Got it. All right. Very good. Okay. And are you in another raise or you're good for now? You're not in the middle of another cash raise right now or? We're not in the middle of a cash raise right now. You know, the company has seen tremendous growth. You know, um, last year we were in 5,000, number 144 in the country. We're number four in Colorado. Um, we've grown almost 4,000% over the past three years. So, right, we're just, we're, we're wow. being very calculated about. Must have, you know, must have something to do with the chief revenue officer. I <laughs> don't <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man. I, I can't take that credit. This, we have a great team of people here, man, but. Are you, um, but are, no, you in, are you in scale up mode to where you're burning cash or you're actually making money? Well, we're, 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 we're profitable, but now that we're embarking on some of these new industries, we're in real scale up mode, which is, uh, which is exciting times. Which is why you raised the 14 million. Cause you're using some of that scale. Yeah. Well, that's right. been the 14 million since we started the company. Um, uh, nine, nine and a half million of that was in debt that we never touched. Right. Oh, so that's, oh, I see. I that's see. sitting out there. Oh. Right. So, um, no, we're, oh, so we're, we're lean and mean, man. We're lean and mean. And we, you know, we, we focus on, you know, building great partnerships with, with great companies that are looking to innovate with us. Now you strike me as a type of guy, you love to hustle. You love to get after it. You love to close deals. You love to start something. You love to build something. I feel that on you. Right. Um, yeah. If it gets like too big with like 400 employees where you're kind of just going through the motions, I think, I think Nick gets bored and then he's like, okay, no, I'm, I'm ready to do something else No. Is that no, nah, this is my baby, man. This is, you know, this is, you know, this I, I've worked as an entrepreneur for years and years and years to get to this point, right? I've had a lot of failures, I've had a lot of successes, um, been through the ringer in a number of different ways. And uh what we have here at Edison is special. The the the, the group, the technology, the partners, the investors, we're mm. we're on to something special here, man. Okay. If you had to give some advice to an aspiring entrepreneur that hasn't had the balls to start something yet, but they want to. And I know we could do a whole show yeah. on that, but, but if you wanted to just give them a couple of tips to haven't started, but to thinking about it, what would you say? Um, you know, I would say it's, it's how you look at it. Right. I mean, you know, the, the, a quote that was given to me from one of my mentors, think big, start small, scale fast. Right. And, and you, you know, what you got to think massively, you have to, you have to think about like, in my opinion, world changing stuff to get a group of employees and investors and, partners to really buy into the mission and you got to think big but you got to start small right you got to perfect the product you got to find the product market fit you got to make tweaks right i mean the amount of tweaks that we've made to our platform and our business since we've started it is tremendous right because we've looked for opportunity and we've looked for where we can add value and um but then once the product gets to a point where it's there then you build a moat around the business and you scale as fast as you can that's number one number two all about the people man I mean, I, I've been in businesses by myself. I've been in businesses without mentors. I've been in businesses um, that um, are tough that way, 
right? And you have to have the right people around you. You have to surround yourself with strong leaders who are smarter than you, um, who've been there, right? Who've been through the ringer, who've been through the entrepreneurial, you know, ringer and, uh, and can help steer you in the right direction and help provide valuable um, feedback for you. One of the things you mentioned there, besides the fact that people are, are critical if you really want to scale, but secondly, you mentioned pivoting there a few times and tweaking uh, as, you, as you move along. It, it is, I think for the aspiring entrepreneur that's listening, it's very important for you to understand that whatever original whiteboard plan you have, there's probably a 99% chance that you're going to make changes and you're going to turn left when you thought you were going to turn right. And the consumer will tell you what direction that you need to go, what you weren't, what you weren't planning on. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You know, yeah, I think that's very, very important. How about this? And look, you got to look oh, go for opportunities. You got to look where you can add value, right? And and when, when we started this business, when our original plan, when we started this business, when we acquired Taxi Interactive, we inherited a bunch of third-party media companies all over the world that were licensing the technology, right? Kenya, Dubai, uh, mm -hmm. South Africa, right? That were putting screens in Ubers, Lyfts, and taxis, and then creating their own little media companies in those markets. That was our original strategy. Our original strategy was to utilize our relationships that we had in Uber and Lyft and black cars to be able to create this in-ride rideshare experience um, and, and, and go from there, right? And when we went and we needed a, a telco partner, and so we, we put out RFPs. I mean, we had big vision for it, man. And we put out RFPs with all the majors and Verizon was the one that got really aggressive. And it turns out because they had a need, right? They had struck this partnership shark experience and they were having some issues with their tech so they came to us and said hey can you guys step in here right and they introduced us to greg norman who made the investment and we became shark experience right uh, shark experience presented by verizon and from there our partnership with all with, with verizon everybody has continued to grow but i mean that was never our strategy right but it was <laughs> exactly. a massive opportunity we tweaked it we made our system work in golf cars um, and then, you know, we added on bolt-ons to the platform to be able to go on rental cars and telematics. And now we're a connected device platform that can control everything from a phone to a tablet, to a connected TV, to telematics units, IOT, um, anywhere you want to put co a content and a custom experience we can do now, but it, that, that's not how it started. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the people piece, what advice would you give the listeners on selecting people early on during startup phase, you know, besides looking at their experience and matching the, the technical skill set needed, how do you decide what personality and what style kind of fits the culture you want to build? Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So are, are you talking about from an employee perspective? You're talking yes. about from an, a partner? Yeah. Or from an employee perspective? Yeah. Employee. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, we, you know, Jeremy and I are, are both, both grew up in Aurora, right? So, you know, we, we kind of both have that gritty, scrappy, you know, relentless type personalities that we just go after what we want, right? Um, but, you know, we, we, we put a focus on trying to find people that fit our culture, because at the end of the day, right, they're, they're in the office with us every day. Well, most days with all, all this stuff yeah. that's happened but yeah. um but it's people that you have to enjoy working with but it's also people who um constantly seek creative solutions to complex problems i mean we're solving some very complex issues here so we look for creativity we look for grittiness we look for for people that are committed 
And, you know, in a lot of conversations that you can have with people, you know, you can uncover some of those things, but you also got to get a little lucky, right? It does. It does require a little bit of luck and you can bring people along that may not be fully qualified, but maybe they fit the kind of style and culture you're looking for. And then you can train them up how you, how you want to. Um, I appreciate you sharing that by the way, for the listeners, I know we're, uh, getting a little drag on our internet here that's because it's freaking snowing outside and anytime it snows at my house for whatever reason the internet <laughs> drags a little bit uh but uh, i think we're okay let's keep going with it um okay very good i appreciate you sharing all of that nick with me um thank you let me ask you about some uh outside the lines questions kind of worldly topics what have you done with covid what what'd you guys do did you just let everybody work from home did you make them all wear masks? Did you make them get vaccinated? Did you tell them, Hey, do whatever you want? What, what, what kind of, what'd you guys do over there? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, number one, right. We made a commitment to, to our team up front, um, that, that whatever they were comfortable. Right. Um, now this was after the, the whole shutdowns when everybody was locked in their houses. Right. But, um, we yeah. wanted people to be comfortable with, with what they want. If you want to come to the office and you want to wear a mask, do that. Right. And we, we, we followed guidelines and we've, we've done things the right way. Um, but we made a commitment to our people up front that we were going completely transparent, complete open books. We'd hold, um, weekly, some we, monthly, sometimes weekly town halls where the employees could ask Jeremy and I, any questions they want full open book on financial strategy, right? I mean, we just, with so much unrest and uneasiness, right? I mean, that was a difficult time for people, mm -hmm. right? So we wanted to make sure that people knew they were secure in their positions, that we were striving towards the same mission, that we just had another little speed bump we had to get over. So we mm -hmm. just went completely transparent and completely open book and just, you know, built off of the trust that we've, we've had with our employees. And I think that it, it paid off. You know, we, we grew 100% during 2020. 110 uh, percent you know um, a lot of that you know people were golfing right i mean the only thing they could really do was go get out on a golf course so golf really took off and um but other parts of our business were hurt so you know it's really just we, we tried to focus on understanding what the unique circumstances that our partners and, and our clients needed and we made a lot of tweaks during that 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 time that that have have, have paid to be uh, very fruitful for us what do you think about remote workers? Do you like it? Do you love it? Do you like a hybrid? What's your stance on that? I mean, if you would have asked me this question before COVID, I would have told you that I want everybody in the office, right? I mean, I, I love the, you know, the loud, the culture, the, right, everybody, you know, running around, high five and working through issues together. Like, I, I love that. Um, but, you know, COVID has changed that for me a little bit. I mean, I still want all of our people to be here if they want to be here. But we also you have, we also have to understand that there's sensitivities and that people um, aren't all comfortable with that. So we don't force that on them. Um, so okay. we have a core group of people that it kind of switches out. I'd say I'd say on average, our, our people in the office two to four days a week, two to three days a week. And they, they kind of rotate and they come in and we have meetings and all of that. And um, other than that, they're working remote. Okay. Very good. Social media. I want to ask you about that. I mean, you're very active on marketing, not only the business, but just staying present uh, in, in social media. <clears throat> what are your thoughts on CEOs or founders speaking out aggressively on specific hot topics on social media, uh, taking sides on taking sides on whatever hot button there is for the month? You know, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you'll never catch, catch me doing that. Right. I mean, <laughs> but it's, it's to each their own. Right. I mean, 
I feel like if somebody is is feels that strongly about about a topic one way or the other, we're in America. They have the right to be able to address it, right? But um, I I tend to steer very away from those hot topics, right? I mean, I obviously have my own opinions on them. They're just things I don't like to discuss with with everybody, right? So um, so no, I mean, I I support anybody with whatever they want to post on there. You know, my. I hope they, they go through and think about potential repercussions for doing so, because there are potential re repercussions for people doing that from a, a, a number of different viewpoints, right? But, um, but yeah, you'll, you won't catch me interacting with any hot topics on social media. <laughs> uh, I think what I heard you say in summary is, hey, I'm a big First Amendment guy, believe in everybody's right to, to say whatever they want, but I'm careful as, my, as a CEO not to, not to make too many waves. That's what I hear you saying. Is that accurate? Yes. Can I follow that up then with a question and say, then how, how do you feel? And if you do believe in the whole right to say whatever you want, how do you feel about this censorship and cancel culture and Facebook and Twitter and Google wiping people out if, if they say something that doesn't fit their narrative? What are your thoughts? I think it's brutal. Possible? I think it's brutal, right? I mean, I lived in China for quite some time, right? And, uh, and that's a very, very real thing there. And I'm not saying that the U.S. is getting there, but there's there's no reason you should be censoring anybody in my opinion right we're, we're in the united states of america it's the it's the first amendment like you know it just because somebody doesn't like what somebody has to say right then there's there, but there's, there should never be any censorship in my opinion it's a okay, dangerous perfect. slippery slope in my opinion i appreciate your your very clear and direct answer on that thank you nick i appreciate yeah. it um okay very good thank you i want to ask you a couple of wrap-up questions here yeah. And by and by the way, for the listeners, let me just get this in here. Um, if they want to, if they want to study Edison, it is edisoninteractive.com. You can go there. I'm sure there's like a contact sheet or work with us. There's a, there's a work with us button. I like that. Okay. Is that the best thing for uh, anybody listening uh, to do that wants to uh, get a hold of you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Follow our journey. You know, go edisoninteractive.com. We're very, we're, our marketing team is very active on social media and keeping up with our journey and um yeah edison interactive on linkedin we're very active on you know facebook instagram um but uh but yeah go to our website buddy you talk about yeah you're, you're very active on on linkedin in fact i was yeah you guys you guys you guys got the marketing going on <laughs> yeah yeah we got, we got talented people over there man. yeah well you know what's going to happen now now that you've been on the rider flex podcast you're going to explode to like 200 200 000 followers there we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, a couple of final questions here for you. Um, you said you were 38, right? 38. Uh, yep. You've been on your own. You've been an entrepreneur since you were 16, basically. Kind of. Right. I mean, you've been hustling since you were 16. You strike me as the type of guy that could walk into any bar anywhere and make friends with whoever's there is that accurate <laughs> yeah i think so i think i think that's accurate man you know um you know tough times lead you know lead lead a number of different ways right so you know my i, I learned very early on that you know if you focus on the negativity of stuff it just doesn't get you anywhere but the wrong place right so i've always put a very um strong focus on on keeping track of the positive things in my life and 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 keeping positive goals in front of me and uh, surrounding myself with good people so but yeah i i love that by the way on that topic i read this the other day so this is not my quote but somebody said and i'm not gonna say it exactly right but they were saying um 
all the minutes that you focus on a negative thing on social media where you're attacking somebody because of a negative thing, those are wasted minutes that could have been spent on something positive to build your own self up, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, um, if you could call your 16 year old self, though, based on what you've learned so far, if you could call that 16 year old young man that was having a party in the apartment with all the chicks over there, if you could call him and say anything, what would you tell him now? Um, you know, that's a great question, man. I mean, you know, I, I'd have to I, I haven't really thought about that, but um, I would probably tell myself to get started right and and get started sooner i mean i got started pretty young but i would i would i would advise myself to find the right people that you want to that you strive to be find them sooner right mm -hmm. um and because that was never something that i was really looking for i wasn't looking for mentors i wasn't right i i was i was a young cocky kid i thought i could do it all on my own and um the truth of the matter is that when you get good people around you and you do the right things um it escalates and it elevates to a whole nother level. So I would, I would probably tell myself to look for the, the people sooner. Okay. Very good. Well, you had to be a little bit cocky because it was a self-defense mechanism because you were so young and you were on your own. You had to, you had to kind of have that shield a little bit back then, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You strike me as a little more humble now. That's because you got some scars on your back from some of the early stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think so, man. <laughs> I think so. Uh, last question. If you could put your core purpose in life, quote, quote, core purpose in quotes, uh, mm -hmm. if you could put that into a sentence, what would that sound like right now? Um, to be honest with you, man, I would say that my core purpose is to just serve our incredible team of dedicated employees in our pursuit of, of, of digital transformation. You know, the, the, the people that I have the opportunity to work with on a daily basis um, motivate me in ways that I never could have imagined, right? So um, look, at the end of the day, I'm living my professional dream and, and every single day I get to go to work with people that, that I respect and have a tremendous amount of reverence with. So it's very easy for me to jump out of bed with that fire in my belly and, and, and really go serve those people and, and do everything I can to help push them forward as well. That wasn't deep enough. That wasn't deep enough for me. Now, what do I'll talk about? Let, let me go a little deeper there. Why are you waking up every day on this planet? What's 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 the long term goal for you as a person on this blue ball we're floating around on? Complete freedom is my ultimate that I strive for mm. is complete freedom from anything and everything. Right. Whether that be financial, whether that be you know, anything, right. Mm -hmm. Complete freedom with the people that I love and care about is what I strive for. Ooh, I like that. That is, is that a good answer for you. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. Let's stop right there on that one. Nick, thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah.